Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the feature stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton, and in today's episode, we have a little bit of everything, from Jonathan Aranda getting called up to also my notes from the trip that I took to Pensacola. Again, I know you might be wondering, wasn't he just there? Yes, but I wanted to swing through one more time because I was in South Florida visiting my mom on my way back to New York, and it's not really on my way. It was kind of a pain in the butt to get there, but still, that's how I justified it. Matt Mervis, friend of the show, and if you've listened to the show for a little bit, you know that he did the interview with us a couple weeks back and was awesome. He was playing against my good friend Griffin Conine uh, in Pensacola. I wanted to see a bunch of players on the Smokies. Of course, always happy to go visit my buddy Griffin and now some of the other guys I've become friendly with on the Blue Wahoos. And so, I was able to talk myself into it. I did not take much convincing to go back to Pensacola, which, you know, relative to a lot of other minor league parks, Pensacola is one of the best ballparks out there. I would say accessibility wise, the Florida Panhandle, I lived my whole life in South Florida, never went to the Panhandle. Now I've been there twice in two months. Uh, Minor league baseball will take you to very cool places or very unique places that you would never have gone. And I think Pensacola is probably more in the latter uh, description. Uh, But that being said, it was was a ton of fun and a lot of really important takeaways actually from this series. A lot of good info uh, from players and just a lot of good firsthand accounts that I'm excited to uh, just fill you in on, especially with some of the more interesting Cubs prospects. And I don't want to spend too much time on the Cubs because I know we did just do their top 10, uh, but I do want to mention some of the notes from, you know, just the series I was at. But I'll start with Jonathan Aranda because we talked about Aranda recently and I am very excited to see him get called up. It's one of those situations where he is not exactly what the Rays love in terms of the youngsters that they like to bring up positionally. And by that, I mean they love the versatility. They love guys that they can move all over the infield. And I'm not sure Jonathan Aranda is necessarily that. He's a bit limited defensively. That being said, they have tried him a little bit everywhere, and he's been okay. I I am curious to see how he plays it, if they give him any run at third base. But so far this year in AAA, he played first base, second base, and third base. If he can be passable at those three spots, uh, that will be a huge development because before that, it was a big question of whether he could even play second. But it looks like Aranda has slimmed down a little bit. He is he seems to be a little bit more agile. I, I am pretty convinced that he worked on his footwork and his quickness and his twitch uh, throughout the offseason. And you can see that in the field so far this year. He definitely looks a little bit better. The bat's the calling card, right? And, and that's where he's really come out of nowhere, so to speak. And somebody that did not have much power, was always hit tool first through much of his minor league career, and now for the Rays has really developed into a legitimate offensive threat, and he is still hit tool first. I mean, the guy literally hit 310, 386, 512 through his first 63 games in AAA this year. Last year, 331, 419, 543 slash line through his entire season in high A and double A. 
I've had so many players specifically mention Aranda to me as a guy that their pitchers felt like they couldn't get out and a guy that's just extremely difficult to get to roll over or or really just hit the ball weekly. He seems to barrel baseballs all over the field. And now we're seeing the 24-year-old tap into more pull side power. And that's what really stands out to me because you look year over year. He had never hit more than three home runs in a single season going into last year. Then he hits 14. That was a testament to the added leg kick a little bit more to get into his backside and still not really compromise the consistency of contact. So far this year, looks like he's tapping into even more power. And I think this is more of the physicality side of things. I think he's become a little bit more physical overall. Now has 11 home runs through 63 games. So on pace to definitely eclipse that 14 home run total last year. The exit velos back it up too. He is putting up some ridiculous exit velos compared to what we're used to. Usually his top end was in the low 100 range, meaning like the 103, I guess technically it's all low in the 100 range, but his exit velos were typically in the 103 to 105 range when he was topping out, and he still hovers there mostly, but we're seeing him just tap into a bit more. Uh, We've seen him hit a 111 mile per hour home run pull side this year. We've seen a few 108s, 109s, 110s. There's a little bit more top end juice there. He's still going to Be more of that bat-to-ball guy overall, and the zone contact is what stands out to me. He's in the 90% range when it comes to zone contact. Heart contact, which is just pitches over the middle of the plate in the heart of the zone, 95%. He's essentially never missing uh, pitches in the heart of the zone. Now, that's just ridiculous, and that's why he's going to be tough to beat. I will say the one area where he could improve is with the breaking balls. At times, he struggles to stay back on breaking balls, but the way he pummels fastballs, the way he pummels change-ups as a lefty, he's going to be very difficult to get out. Left-on-left could be a bit of an issue, but I, I could see them really just looking to platoon him and put him in spots to succeed. That being said, the way that these Rays big leaguers are dropping like flies, he might find himself into more and more playing time. And regardless, I mean, the the splits are passable. He is passable against left-handed pitching. It's not anything dramatic compared to some of the other extreme splits we see with some top prospects left on left. But Aranda's a guy that was right on the brink of the top 100 list. By the midseason update, if he wasn't set to graduate, which I think he probably will, I, I expect him to hang around at the big league level, probably going to graduate, but could have been a top 100 guy for us was basically 103 or 104 uh, when we were fleshing out the list. He was that close. So this is a very good call up. I'm very excited to see him at the big league level. I don't think there was much more to prove offensively. There was a little bit to figure out defensively. I think he's improved in that regard. And now he can really learn from some very, very talented guys at the big league level. Get him working with Taylor Walls out there uh, who could definitely help him on the defensive side of things. And if, if he's even average at multiple positions, Jonathan Rond is going to be a very valuable player. Just turned 24 years old, so still extremely young as well. Should be a nice piece and just another nice development story for the Tampa Bay Rays. So speaking of development stories, I got a chance to see Ryan Jensen of the Chicago Cubs, a former first round pick and somebody that, you know, we don't really hear that much about as a former first rounder because Jensen just he hasn't been terrible but he has not been great and has come with a lot of concern in terms of command but did lose a big year of development in 2020 given that he was drafted by the Cubs in the first round in 2019 through 12 innings in Eugene which was short season a at that point 
And then that was it. That was the end of the season. They wanted to keep his innings somewhat low because he had thrown 100 innings, Jensen did, at Fresno State uh, that same season. And he was phenomenal. He went 12-1 and with a 288 ERA. He struck out 107 in 100 innings, walking 27. That being said, I thought it was a little bit surprising to see him as a first-round pick uh, to go 27th overall. But uh, the Cubs like something about him. And, and what I will say is he is a premium, premium athlete on the mound. And uh, we were able to see that. I, I could see that. Just from watching him pitch uh, over the last couple outings that I saw, uh, but what really stood out to me is is Jensen changed and cleaned up his arm action. He used to have a very very erratic and long arm action that seemed incredibly difficult to repeat. He shortened that arm action up, and over the last two outings, has not walked anybody. He looked really good. The fastball was up to 99. The slider was nasty. And all of a sudden, Ryan Jensen looks like he is a different pitcher. And this stands out to me because even though these were shorter outings, it was three innings and then two innings the two times I saw him, he had not gone a single outing without walking a batter. Actually, he had walked at least two in every single outing, three in many of his appearances. In both appearances that I saw, which were the two since he cleaned up the arm action, and shortened it up. He did not walk a single batter in either of those outings. So there is a lot to like. The results are there. The fastball has life. He's a premium athlete. And now he has that low vertical attack angle and the slider working off of it. I still see a ton of reliever risk here for Jensen, but he has helped his outlook big time. And he's a name to watch moving forward. First round pedigree, great athlete, and now making tweaks that might accommodate his arsenal and accommodate his ability to just throw more strikes. This is a great development for the Cubs pitching prospect because the Cubs need as much pitching as we talked about in the last episode as they can get. Another pitcher that looked really good. I I was actually floored because I went into this weekend not really knowing much about him or really expecting to talk about him or pay attention to him with all due respect, but Javier Assad, right-handed pitching prospect for the Chicago Cubs, 24 years old, was dynamite when I saw him, and he does not have a single plus pitch. He's really not a guy that's going to wow you with the stuff, but you sit down for an entire outing, and you're like, whoa, this guy just can get outs and has an ability to pitch. Just like Jonathan Aranda, Assad is from Mexico, and Mexico produces some surprising and fun and good prospects every once in a while, and they always seem to fly under the radar, which is the funny part, and Assad seems to be the latest addition of a guy that is flying under the radar out of Mexico. So far this season in AA, he's got a 2.64 ERA, and 61 and a thirds innings, he's punched out 65, he's walked 25. But what stood out to me is that he has legitimately six pitches that he can throw at you and talk Talking to the Pensacola Blue Wahoos hitters after that game, they said, yeah, it's just uncomfortable. There's so many things you have to think about. And there's a lot of guys that claim to have five pitches, but they only go to two of them 5% of the time. Assad goes to all of them enough that the hitters feel like they have to think about all of them at all times. And you got to just either eliminate a couple and focus on a specific zone or do whatever you have to do approach-wise, but you're going to leave yourself open to being surprised by something that he can throw your way. He has... A pair of fastballs that he's comfortable throwing, that's a two-seamer and a four-seamer, a cutter in the upper 80s, a slider in the mid-80s, a changeup, and a curveball, and that's a pain in the butt. On top of all of that, Assad's stuff has ticked up about a mile per hour across the board, so it's six pitches that have all ticked up, 
and his command continues to get better. He can give you a lot of different looks. This is a guy that I think could be a back end of the rotation starter, solid swing man. Nice development here uh, with Javier Assad. Unfortunately, not a good development is Alexander Canario. And that's a name that, you know, we've talked about a little bit. Came over in the San Francisco Giants trade with Chris Bryant. Or I have that backwards, I should say. The Chris Bryant trade with the San Francisco Giants. But he has just not been great. Killian has pitched his way to the big league, struggled at the big league level. I think he's going to be just fine. But Canario looks lost up there. I mean, his chase rate has absolutely skyrocketed. He does not seem to have much of an approach. I mean, the tools are crazy. Maybe one of the best outfield arms I've ever seen. Like, seriously, I've ever seen in the minor leagues. And also some outrageous raw power. But he is just... Looks like he has no plan up there. He is still just 22 years old. He's at the double-A level. He is still hitting for power. But there just seems to be no semblance of a plan. And that is really making me concerned. He seems to just be a mistake hitter at this point, And that's not going to get you anywhere if you're Alexander Canario. So hopefully he can get things right because he just does not have much of an approach. A guy that does have a phenomenal approach and really stood out to me with for the Miami Marlins was Troy Johnston. And Troy Johnston over his last 100 at-bats has just been phenomenal. He's a first base prospect that the Marlins scooped up and really broke out last year. And after a slow start to this season, has really got it going at the AA level. He has now got some action in the outfield because of the way he's hitting. And that'll be something to watch because he did play the outfield in Gonzaga. He did play a little bit of the outfield in his early days professionally. Now getting back out there. The Marlins have a log jam at first. So this could be interesting as an outfield option if he can even be passable out there. Left-handed hitter, Hit tool first kind of guy now tapping into more power. 410, 445, 740 slash line over his last 100 at bats, seven homers, 10 doubles. I mean, it, that it doesn't get better than that. His average has gone up more than 100 points since the start of the season. And most importantly, he's just tapping into way more power. As I said, seven home runs in this month. He has eight total on the season. He entered this month with only one homer. And I asked him, I said, Troy, you know, what did you change? What is different? And he really said, not much, man. I really just focused on making the same moves, found a load or a move in his load that he felt more comfortable repeating. And he just feels like he's on time. That's really it. And baseball is such a game of timing. We know that Johnson can hit. He has been a great hitter at every stop in the minor league so far in his career and was phenomenal last year. Uh, But just for a guy like him to just say, hey, yeah, it was just as simple as repeating my load a little bit and then just getting myself in the right spot where I'm comfortable and feel like I can get there every single pitch. That's all it took. And now all of a sudden for the season, he's hitting 309, 370, 483. He might be hitting his way to a AAA call-up soon, but I'm sure that the Marlins want to see a little bit more of him in the outfield, see how he looks out there. And right now the outfield's a little bit jammed up in the AAA level uh, with Peyton Burdick. You have, of course, J.J. Bleday, Brian Miller as well. Uh, But I love what I'm seeing from Troy Johnson. He's without a doubt a name to watch moving forward. It's also his 25th birthday today. So happy birthday to Troy Johnson, a guy who I would bet a lot of money on being a big league bat. Uh, One little reliever that you should pay attention to that really stood out to me was Josh Simpson. Maybe one of the nastiest lefties in AA right now that comes out of the pen talking to the hitters from the Tennessee Smokies, they said that it's really hard to see 
anything out of his hand. A guy that was drafted late out of Columbia, a very underrated prospect. 24 years old, is striking out 45% of batters in 31 innings of work this year. Fastballs in the 94 to 96 range with some ride. And then his breaking ball is one of the best I've seen in the minors. It's 70 grade. It is a banger of a breaking ball. And that's why he has 19 of his 23 appearances going scoreless so far this year. I expect him to be a legitimate big league bullpen piece. If he can hone in on the command just a little bit more, he'll be in great shape. As for the two friends of the show, uh, the unbiased analysis, Matt Mervis, Came down to earth a little bit. He had the golden sombrero the first day I was there. Just wasn't seeing the ball well. Bounced back and had a good game right after that. Drove in a couple runs, had a double. And then in the third game that I saw, looked right back to who he was, which is a guy that just mashes fastball. Seeing it in person, seeing what he does in person, really made sense to me, you know, why he explains his approach. And again, I, I encourage you to go check out that episode if you missed it. Talking about his approach, he feels like he can catch up to any fastball, and he legitimately can. Matt Mervis is an undrafted free agent out of Duke uh, and has just been playing a great defensive first base as well. For them, he was a pitcher, played a little bit of third, played a little bit of everywhere. Uh, So he's a good athlete for a big dude at 6'4". But what really impressed me was the ability to catch up to the fastball. I saw him catch up to upper 90s on multiple occasions. Aniris Zabala, who was called up to the big leagues, can reach triple digits, tried to elevate 99 on Mervis, and he took him to the warning track oppo. He can catch up to anything. I think Mervis is also going to be a guy that continues to mash through the minor leagues and is very exciting. As always, I got to give a little shout out to my buddy Griffin Conine, who hit a 440-foot home run to dead center. It was actually 445. He had three home runs in the six games here. But we know Griff can hit home runs. We know he can do that. But what really stood out to me and what has continued to stand out to me is the improved walk rate. Over his last 150 at-bats, he has an OPS over 1,000. He has a 17% walk rate and a 32% K rate. That'll play. If he's walking that much and the K rate is that I know that's still high, but for the power that he's going to give you, if he can keep the K rate below 35% and walk around a 15% clip, that is in that Joey Gallo type of territory. And for a dude that hit 36 home runs last season in the minors, that's what you're somewhat hoping for. Uh, But I do love the trend that we're seeing from Griffin Conine. He's definitely heading in the right direction. One other name that's super interesting that could be a big league reliever for the Cubs, Blake Whitney. He stood out to me with the splitter that he was boasting. It was pretty nasty. And he has also just found command of it. His slider is good. It's tough to pick up for hitters. And after having a rough year last year where his ERA was at about 6.41, he has downed that to 2.79. He's downed his whip from 1.42 last year to 0.95 this year. The splitter is the big reason why he's getting a ton of whiffs. Nobody can really pick that thing up. Looking like a legit big league reliever here is Blake Whitney. Sorry, one more just came to me again. (laughs) I can imagine you guys are like, this guy's crazy. He just keeps saying one more and then fires another player. Uh, But Jake Slaughter was awesome. I'm very interested in Cubs third base prospect Jake Slaughter, who is not high profile either. I mean, these are a lot of of under-the-radar guys for the most part, and and that's the interesting thing is because a lot of these dudes will start to get on the radar, I think, at least some of them, and Jake Slaughter is doing everything he can so far since his double-A promotion. He has just been dynamite this year overall, but in his 15 games in double-A, six homers, he's hitting 379, 448, 741. 
Very athletic third baseman, above average runner, which surprised me. He already has 15 stolen bases on the season. He's 15 for 17 on the year, which is wild. The power is more impressive than I thought. He has a quick bat, and that athleticism can be seen in the box. It's a very direct swing that you wouldn't expect to produce some backspin like it does, but I think that's just a testament to the quick bat and him having a good overall approach. Jake Slaughter looks like he figured something out. As an 18th round pick in 2018, still 25 years old, athletic, above average defense potentially at third, and now tapping into some pop, this is an interesting name to watch moving forward. To wrap up here, I want to give a shout out to some hot prospects across the league right now who are really just mashing. But I also need to discuss O'Neill Cruz. And I almost forgot to discuss O'Neill Cruz in this episode. He finally gets promoted. Him along with Leover Paguero, which Paguero is going to get overshadowed a little bit because everybody wants to see what O'Neill Cruz can do. And well, I guess we kind of found out what O'Neill Cruz can do because he just decided to put every one of his freakish tools on display for us uh, in his debut through the first three innings, as MLB Pipeline noted. O'Neill Cruz threw a 97-mile-per-hour fastball, basically, across the diamond from shortstop, which was one of the most electric, electric bullets I've seen across an infield ever. I mean, it looked better than anything I've seen come out of the hand of Carlos Correa, who I'd argue is the best arm in the infield for all of the major leagues. Then he also hit one 112, maybe it was 113 miles an hour, and then he also decided to run 31 or 32 feet per second. Like, what the hell is that? This guy is just built different. He is an alien, and if he can just find that consistency at the plate, which I know he has, I really do believe that the struggles in AAA were just more of him being uninspired, him feeling like he should be at the big league level. And Is that excusable? No. Uh, But I'm just talking about it from the pure lens of why was this guy struggling in AAA, and why do I still think he's going to hit in the big leagues? It's because I really do think it was motivation-based. And and if that's the case, I mean, we're seeing him at the big league level already hitting right off the bat. And, And I think that's kind of just reinforces the larger point here. I am loving what we've seen from O'Neill Cruz because this is what he can do. And he is better bat to ball wise than I think a lot of people might believe. And I think they're going to see that as well as he continues to get more action, more run at the big league level and continues to be a little bit more inspired. I, I don't love that about him. And I hope that that does eventually doesn't start to trickle into his big league game where you see him start to to get comfortable and phase out his his focus a little bit. I think there's going to be lapses in focus from time to time with O'Neill Cruz, but he's just so damn talented that you can you can almost I wouldn't say look the other way, but you you can deal with it. It can be a little bit more tolerable, and and that's what's going to kind of happen with O'Neill Cruz. Leover Paguero is more of that grinder, and I'm excited to see how he's going to translate at the big league level. It was hitting really well through the season so far at the Double A level: 294, 317, 468 slash line five homers, 14 stolen bases, not walking at all, a 3% walk rate. Would like to see him take some more free passes, but he's so good bat to ball wise that I think he just feels like he can get the bat, get the barrel on anything. That's great. I like that confidence. That's that's common with hit tool guys, but you got to be understanding that you got to take your walks. And even if he could walk at a seven, eight percent clip like he did in years prior, that will help him a ton, especially at the big league level. O'Neill Cruz is going to take the league by storm. I really do think so. He's going to go have some ups and downs. I think he's going to have some bouts with swing and miss as pitchers try to bust him in. But he is so direct to the ball for such a long, lanky guy that I, I think hitters or, or pitchers, excuse me, are going to struggle to get him out a little bit more than people may believe. So let's talk about some other hot prospects across the game. 
I am a big fan of Jordan Westbrook, and that's a guy I've talked about on the podcast for a while. Gunnar Henderson's been getting a little bit more airtime as has Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez when I talk about the system. But Jordan Westbrook was a guy I got my first look at after he got cut from Team USA. He went out to the Cape after coming up short in Team USA. And even just to be one of the final players cut in Team USA is a massive thing to be proud of. But that day, or I guess maybe the next day, he gets to the Cape. And I'm calling that game for Katuit. He's in Hyannis. And I watch this dude first at bat. 410 feet, line drive straight out to left field. He just looked pissed. He's like, I'm going to prove Team USA that they got it wrong. Next at bat, boom, another rocket again. He hits two home runs in that ball game. And I was just impressed at how much his swing is geared for really line drives gap to gap, but he is able to backspin and get carry and just hit the ball so hard that it leaves the yard even on a line. He is a well-rounded player who is able to do a little bit of everything. I've been impressed by the defense at shortstop. He could uh, eventually move to third, but I think he's passable at shortstop. His speed is above average, and again, the bat-to-ball skills are solid, and the power is above average. He is one of those 50s across the board kind of guy that I love, similar to Bryson Stott. I think there are a lot of similarities here to Bryson Stott from the right side, and since he's been promoted to AAA, Westbrook has just been phenomenal. I- I'm going to argue that in some ways, AAA might be even easier because I, I do continue to say that the pitching in AA I think is right there with triple, especially if you're in the right league, or I should say the wrong league for hitters that is just loaded with arms. And also, talking to some guys that were up at AAA and then went back to double, they say that the baseball makes a big difference, especially now, that they feel like they get a couple miles per hour, two, three, four miles per hour on their top end exit velos with those AAA baseballs, which are the big league baseballs versus what they're using in AA, which are continuing to be pre-tacked experimental baseballs at the AA level. And that's why we're seeing a ton of guys get hit by pitches there and pitchers just a little bit uncomfortable, but just bat just the way the ball flies off the bat. It's a bit different in AAA. And we're seeing that with, with Westberg, who was good at the start of the season, hit nine home runs in 47 games in double A, 247, 344, 373, through 11 games in triple, already has four home runs, 383, 420, 809 slash line. What kind of slash line is that? That's insane. 809 slugging through 11 games, four home runs will do that for you. K rate has been at about the 25% mark, which is more than fine when you're walking at about a nine or 10% clip. Jordan Westberg is looking really good and continuing to rake in AAA, could be forcing his way to the big leagues somewhat soon. I got to say, Jason Dominguez is starting to heat up a little bit, and over his last 26 games, he has hit four homers. He is hitting 291, 446, 512. All of a sudden, this guy's starting to put it together. I've been very hard on Jason Dominguez, but... I do think he's extremely talented, and I just think that the expectations and the comparisons were stupid, and that's why I've been hard on Dominguez, but this guy could still be a legitimately good prospect. He's still on our top 100 list at JustBaseball.com for a reason, and he's starting to get it going really well right now. Uh, So very excited for him. I want to see him succeed, and uh, even though it's annoying that Yankees fans have have lauded him as the best thing to ever happen to uh, the entire baseball world, uh, I, I think there is a lot to like here, still a lot of excitement around this guy, and it's cool to see him start to turn that into production. One other dude that I talk about a ton that I'm really liking some of the moves that he is making in terms of the adjustments in the box, still has the loud leg kick and all those things, but George Valera of the Cleveland Guardians, he is going to have that leg kick. He has a similar barrel tip in his load to O'Neill Cruz, but he is 
found a way to repeat his moves really well, especially for a guy that has a lot of moves with the with the hand pump or the or the barrel tipped kind of move that you see with his load. It's very rhythmic. And then the big gathering leg kick. But that gathering leg kick is helping him stay in his backside better now. Whereas before he'd have the leg kick and then sometimes start to drift forward and it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of forward and back, and you want to eliminate a lot of forward movement. Now staying in that back hit better and he's repeating his swing really well. He looks really, really, really good. And has just continued to mash. Now 11 home runs on the season as a 21-year-old in Double A, which is crazy, and a 15% walk rate, 24% K rate. He just really looks darn good. 283, 395, 505 slash line on the year. 150 WRC plus. This kid is special, and I think he is going to be a potential star at the big league level. I'm starting to believe in the bat more and more and more. This guy has supreme talent, and we're seeing it as he continues to get better as the year goes on as one of the younger players in Double A. I got to give a shout out to Alec Burleson, who, by the way, will hopefully. I feel like every time I I say a guy's going to be on the podcast, something happens and it, something comes up. But Alec Burleson agreed to go on the podcast or to join us. Uh, next week, and he has also been just somebody that is dismantling baseballs as of late, and it seems like he's really dismantled baseballs since he got to the professional baseball side of things and since he was drafted, but it's been even more ridiculous as of late. He is slashing 328, 361, 500 since the start of June, continues to hit for power, continues to just keep the strikeouts down, now hitting 328, 369, 565 on the season in AAA, and has 14 homers and only a 13% K rate. This guy is phenomenal. If he's not a trade chip for the Cardinals, they should find a way to get him some ABs in some sort of fashion because he is just proving that AAA is too easy for him at this point, already with the 14 home runs and 48 games. He had 22 last year across all three levels, high A, double A, and triple A in his first professional season. This guy's just really darn good. And a sneaky better outfielder, I think, than some may think. Former pitcher at East Carolina has the arm as well. So there are a lot of guys that are starting to heat up in the minor leagues, a lot of guys that are really starting to get going. And one other that I wanted to shout out, a guy that we have talked about on the podcast a little bit and someone that I was a little concerned about after being overly bullish on him. And I guess it might not be overly bullish if he's starting to swing it the way he is swinging it. But Jairo Pomares of the Giants organization, outfielder, who we put in the top 100. I loved what I saw from Pomares so much that I threw him in our top 100, and I felt really good about it. And for a little bit, I was like, well, was I maybe a little bit too quick to get excited about Jairo Pomares to this degree, or did I just get a little bit overly excited about Pomares? But now he's starting to show me the things that I thought we would see uh, coming into this year, and I think we are still right to have him as a top 100 guy. And so far, since the start of June, we have really seen him take his game to another level. And Pomares is still really young, 21 years old in high A. And since June 1st, there were a couple rehab complex games mixed in here, but the majority of the games are in high A. Uh, since June 1st, he's hitting 355, 403, 742. That's an 1145 OPS. I believe he was even mentioned in several of these guys were mentioned in uh, MLB Pipeline's article of, of hot hitting prospects across every organization, which I, I love that. I love that article that they do. And I, I think a few of these guys were mentioned in that article on MLB Pipeline. And uh, Pomares is a little bit difficult to, to peg the exact numbers because of the 
you know, I think it was four complex games mixed in there, but still the vast majority were high A games. And for him to have a 205 WRC plus in June is extremely encouraging. And I think we're starting to see this guy heat up, which was much needed. Uh, six home runs across those 16 games is also very encouraging. Worth noting that three did come from the complex games, but even three home runs in 13 games, or I should say three home runs in 12 high A games if we're going to subtract the complex homers. Three home runs in 12 games in high A is something he didn't really do at all prior. Uh, so really starting to get it going overall. And uh, keep an eye on Pomares because I love the swing. I really do like the swing. I think the approach is continuing to get better, and I think he's going to continue to heat up and finish strong through the first half of the season and then carry that over into the second half and finish with a pretty solid slash line when we look back by the end of the year. That'll do it for today's episode. We have potentially Alec Burleson next week. Uh, Very much excited to talk to him because... I think you will really enjoy hearing from him. Very easy guy to root for. A lot more interviews hopefully coming up on the horizon as well. A lot of other guys that have agreed to come on. It's just lining up with the schedules, but we should have a pretty loaded uh, guest list as we continue to truck forward. If you could take a moment to leave a rating, that would be so great to help us grow the show. Share it with your friends, your fellow prospect fiends out there. Uh, I would really appreciate that. It has been awesome to see the numbers continue to grow. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.